Isn't it exciting that we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to experience the goodness and the joy of God? As Drew read, in the land of the living, God is alive. God is ex- we get to experience all that God has for us right here, right now. We don't have to wait and just always be looking ahead to what God's got in the future. Of course, what he has for us in the future is awesome. I can't wait. I, I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait to leave this earth and go spend eternity with him. I, can't, I posted a video this morning on Facebook I saw uh, of just six or eight different nationalities all singing praise to God. Just a simple song, As a Deer Pants, for, uh, as a deer pants uh, what's the name of the song? As a Deer Pants, there you go. And they all sang in their own languages, and it reminded me so much of our time overseas as we got to sing together with all these different nationalities. We sang in Korean, we sang in Spanish, sang in Russian, sang in Chinese, uh, sang in German, and sang in other languages that Filipino and others. And it was such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ coming together. And I can't wait to be in heaven to experience that again. Just the voices of the body of Christ lifting up praise and glory to God together. All our brothers and sisters in Christ and around the world. This morning, I hope that you are ready for the Advent season, the Christmas season that's upon us. You have four more Sundays to buy me something for Christmas. Just saying, in case anybody, uh, I'll be glad to, to share with you my Christmas list. It's, it's a short list on Amazon. I'll be glad to share that with you. If you have need for ideas uh, from me, let me know. Afterwards, I'll be glad to uh, send that to you. Any takers? No, not even my kids. Not even my kids are takers. All right. We are glad you're here with us today as we begin the celebration of our Advent season. Didn't our decoration crew do an awesome job yesterday? This looks awesome in here, guys. You guys who came and helped out yesterday. It's beautiful, beautiful. I'm glad you guys came out to help do that, and we got to enjoy some good fellowship together. As well, I want to thank Rich and Mark for finishing up our the handrails on our trailer out there yesterday, you guys. In the midst of the freezing, it started out kind of decent day. Mark was like, I'm so glad it's not windy and it's not cold. He's out there doing stuff, and all of a sudden about 12 o'clock, the clouds rolled in and I walked outside and went what the, what's this moisture on the ground and Rich came in and he's trying to warm up his hands under the cold water at the sink at the end of the day they look like little ice cubes bright red ice cubes out there as they struggle through the cold weather so you guys uh, you guys may have an extra cup of coffee this morning for free I'll, I'll pass I'll let you have that this morning so thank you so much for those who came and gave up their time and their energies and their efforts to do that for us yesterday, and even those who showed up early this morning to get the coffee ready, to get the ice, uh, ice melt out there on the, on the sidewalks. It doesn't just happen. Stuff just doesn't happen around the church. It takes people getting involved and saying, what can I do to jump in and, and chip, jump in and chip out? Volunteering to help. That's the word. And I unclipped my, tie, my tongue this morning. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. And as we look to go into the Christmas season, ask God how you might be used to share the love of Christ with your neighbors, with those who are around you, those that God has given to you. And we have the four banners up on the wall, love, joy, peace, and hope. And that's what we are sharing through this Christmas season. The love, joy, peace, and hope of Christ.
I was telling somebody this week that one of the hardest things of being a pastor that I've learned over the past few years is trying to take the same story that we always have in December and the same story we always have in March or April, the Christmas and Easter story that everybody expects to be preached and find a new and interesting way to present it. I know you may think that you're the biggest problem I have. No, it's not. It's, it's, as, as I struggle and pray about to God throughout the year, God, what do you want me to preach? What do you want me to share? What do you want me to share in six months? What do you want me to share in seven months? What, what, how should we direct the direction of our messages and our sermons and our Bible studies and our church? December, Christmas, and Easter always kind of get me. On my calendar, my, my preaching calendar that I have set up, and I know you think, what, do you have a preaching calendar? You don't just try to figure it out the week before? No, I'm not that smart. I always have December says Christmas. And around Easter it says Palm Sunday and Easter. And so I know the stories, but how to share it. That's kind of my struggle every year when I get into this thing. And this year was no different. And as I was just praying about God, how, what do you want me to share? How do you want me to share this wonderful story that I don't want us just to gloss over it, which is typically what our nature is? Oh, I know the story of Jesus. He comes as a little babe, Mary and Joseph in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. The shepherds come. They, they hear from the angels. They go back out. Herod sends the soldiers to kill all those under two years old. And then Easter, the same story as well. Jesus goes to the cross for us. He enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He's judged. He's whipped. He dies. He raises. And not that those are boring stories and we look at it just in that context. It's like, okay, you just didn't really present that very well, I know. But that's kind of how we view it as the body of Christ many times. Is it's the same old story, same old verses again. Pastor, won't you get on to something interesting? It's like David and Goliath again. Go back to battle. Won't you get on to something that we don't hear very, very often like Hezekiah, the book of Hezekiah? Or Pastor, won't you get on to something that I don't, we don't hear? Revelation. Talk about Revelation. I need to know what's going to happen in the future. God wins in the future, in case you didn't know that. He's already won. We're just waiting to get there. So as we look at the full picture of Christmas, I want you to kind of go into this Christmas season over the next four or five weeks with a clear mind. Look, it's look at the Christmas story, the same Christmas story, from a different perspective. So this morning, as we look at it, I want you to know that this Christmas story, this is this sermon series is called The Full Picture of Christmas. Today we're calling it No Accident. The story of Christ, his incarnation in this world, was not an accident. In our world, we like to hear stories, we, we like words like karma, coincidence, accidents, a fluke. These things are common in our culture. Oh, I missed that accident down the road. It was, it was a fluke that I missed it. It was just coincidence that I missed it. 
It was, oh, if I had been in that place two minutes earlier, I'd been in the middle of that accident. Or if I'd just gotten my job, what's the police, application in, an hour earlier, I could have gotten that job. Oh, man. It's just a fluke. It's just a coincidence. It's just an accident that life happens. As we look at the Christmas story today, I want you to know that it is not an accident that it happened the way it happened. Your life turning out like it has is not an accident the way it's turned out. God knows. Heidi's going in for surgery in a couple weeks, week and a half, for her back again. God knew she was going to be going in for back surgery a week from tonight. It was not an accident. He knew. He knows health problems that, that we're concerned about. He knows about our job concerns, that things that weigh on us. He knows about our financial difficulties. He knows all those things are going to take place in our lives And he tries to help us order our lives and prepare us for those events, the sad, the frustrating, and the joyful events. God knows. We serve a God who's omniscient, who's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. He knows all. He knows your mind. When you try to hide from him, and the Bible says from the depths of the oceans, the depths of the seas, to the highest heavens, the highest mountains. You can't hide from God. He knows what you're going through. He cares for what you're going through. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And He can step in at a moment's notice and change the course of history. And He has. He's changed my life. He's redirected my life. He's orchestrated some of the events in my life to put us right where we are today. He's orchestrated your events in your life as well. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. There's no place you can hide from Him. At the same time that we were meeting in this classroom, and God was here in this room this morning at 9 o'clock, He was also meeting in the kids classroom he's meeting in the young adults classroom he's meeting back in the breakfast club classroom those enjoying coffee that came oh look Sunday school's already started I guess we'll just enjoy coffee and donuts I'm looking at breakfast club over here just saying we almost didn't have our quorum this morning for Mike to teach five just kidding I'm glad you guys are all here God is everywhere. At the same time he was, he's meeting here in this church, he's meeting down the road at North Metro. He's meeting over the, down the road at Crossroads. He's meeting up in Brighton. He's meeting in Henderson. He's meeting in, down in Denver. He's meeting in, Bol- in Boulder. He's meeting across the mountains on the, on the western slope. He's meeting in Utah. He's meeting in Kansas. God is present in Nebraska. Even Nebraska, God is there. God's present in Florida. God's present in New York. He's present in California. He's present in Canada. He's present in Mexico. He's present in Guatemala. He's present in Venezuela. He's present in the midst of China. He's present in Korea, North and South. He is present all over. Wherever two or three are gathered together, God is there. 
it's no accident. This Christmas story, as we look at it this morning, it's no accident that it happened just like it did. Because our God is like no God there ever will be. Our key passage this morning is Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. I know that's not Luke chapter 2. I know it's not the Christmas story, but I want you to follow along with me as we read this. It says, when the time came to completion, I'll start reading off the screen. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's a Christmas story. That is a Christmas story for all ages. That when in the fullness of time, when everything came together, God sent his son. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent forth his son born of a woman. Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoption as his sons so we can be called the sons and daughters of God. I don't know about you guys, but that's just exciting. When I think of all that God did for us and all that he planned out to make this happen. See, first thing God did is he planned the timing. God planned the whole timing of this event. I don't know if you know, but in my Bible, chapter th- page 3 in my Bible, it's a sad, cha- sad page. That's where Adam and Eve ate the fruit. That's where the snake was judged. Satan was judged. That's where Adam and Eve were judged. But at the same time, on page 3, we find the redemption of God mentioned for the very first time. So that we might have hope throughout this whole book that something great is coming. That something awesome is just across the horizon, just on the other side. That we know something great is coming and God is going to redeem mankind back to himself. God planned that timing 2,000 years ago. A little babe was born. It was 600 years before that. A prophecy had been laid out in Isaiah chapter 7. It says, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from the Lord for your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. And Isaiah said, Listen, the house of David is not enough for you to try the patience of men. Will you also try the patience of my God? Ahaz was looking for a sign. He was looking for, just for right there, he was looking to be freed from the struggles he was going in. So Isaiah made a prophecy. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God Savior. Now remember, Ahaz was looking for a, pro- a sign for a prophecy for right then and right there. 
to free him from his struggles that he was going through with the other armies. And this prophecy of the, of, of the, virgin, of the virgin is a double prophecy. One for right then for Ahaz and a second one for us. And Matthew, and, and Matthew recognizes this. And in Matthew chapter 1, he's, he says this prophecy was not just limited to Ahaz and his time period. It also is for us right now as he applies this prophecy to the virgin birth of Christ. Because a virgin will conceive and give birth. Mary is that baby. The mother of Jesus. In our circles, our Protestant circles, we a lot of times like to ignore Mary and her, what God did through her. We're afraid to be associated with Catholicism. We're afraid to be associated with all that goes on with the rosaries and, and the lifting up and the altars and the idols and all this stuff that goes on. But Mary, set aside by God out of all the women of that time, says, you are going to carry mine. You're going to carry me. Can you imagine the pressure on her? How she must have felt? And of course, the, the gospel writers relate her response to God later on. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Why though, why 2,000 years ago? Why 2,000 years ago? Why did God use that time and not now to send the Messiah? Why did God use AD 0, BC 6, whatever date you want to give it at that time? There's, nobody really knows for sure what exact year Jesus was born. Some say BC 3, 4, some say 6, some say AD 0 or AD 1, 2, or 3. Regardless, it was about 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. Why then? Some historians and theologians think that maybe it was because at that time there was a common language around all the known world. Greek, uh, Greece had come in and everybody kind of spoke Greek. Rome had come on the scene and the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, was across the whole region there. There were roads built so that people could travel easily. There were, the pirates had, had been pushed, squashed down and so transportation by ship and stuff could be was more readily available and safer. So as Jesus came on the scene and as the gospel went out, the disciples were able to travel all around the known world in relative peace to get the message of the gospel to the world. The occupation of Israel meant that the Jews were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for their Savior. And we know they missed him, but they were looking. And while all those things are true, we don't know what, if any of these things, really equated to the fullness of time, as Paul writes in Galatians. But we do know that it was the right time. And God had a plan for his son. And if God had a plan for his son, we can be confident that he also has a plan for us. And you may think, well, I'm just going through this life. I'm just here. I'm just kind of going through my job, putting in my 30, 40, 50, 80 hours a week. I'm just putting up with my family. I'm just putting up with my in-laws. I'm just trying to get through this life. 
Have you really stopped to ask God, God, what is your plan for me? What is your plan for you? Maybe this morning that's what you need to kind of come to grips with God and say, God, what is your plan for me? I'm retired. I'm near retirement. I've got 30 years to retirement. I've got 80 years to retirement. I'm only in fourth grade. What do I do? What do I? God, what's your plan for me? God has a plan for each individual one of us. He planned the timing of the Savior's entrance into this world, the perfect time for the world to redeem us so that the message of the gospel might be received with joy, with open hearts, and accepted. So God planned the time, and secondly, he planned the person. So in Galatians chapter 4 again, it says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. That woman, Mary, why did God choose her? Why not some other woman? We see the story of Zacharias, who goes into the temple, and the angel appears to him, and the angel Gabriel says, you're going to have a son, and I want you to name him John. And your son is going to be the precursor, the one who goes forward before the Messiah. And Zacharias is like, no way. Do you see how old I am? Are you sh- My wife is beyond childbearing age. There's no way we can have a child. And he, he gets made dumb where he can't speak. And the first word he utters after he gets made dumb is when after John is born and everybody's around going, what are you going to name the child? Are you going to name him Zacharias after his dad? Or maybe Ezekiel, are you going to name him this? Are you going to name him that? And, the, and, and mom goes, no, we're going to name him John. John, there's nobody in your family named John. Woman, you're kind of off it. And Zacharias, what are, you, what are you going to name your son? They were making signs to him. What are you? Because they thought he was not just dumb, but he was dumb. What are you going to name your son? I know Karis is over here dying because she's learning sign language. She hates when I do that. Dad, you're not making any sense. Neither were the people talking to Zacharias. <laughs> and so he writes out, his name is John. And all of a sudden he's able to speak again. Compare that to Mary's response to Gabriel. Mary's response first was, how is this going to happen? Uh, I'm not even married. How? But once the angel explained how, what was her response? May it be to me as you say. For I can carry the Savior. See, instead of arguing with Gabriel, she totally embraces God's plan for her. She totally embraces God's plan. Says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be, may it be to me as you have said. God, you have a plan for me, and I'm willing to accept it and do whatever you want me to. Do you not think she was a little scared? I would have been scared. And especially in that culture, where the risk of people find out she's pregnant, she's not even married. 
Stone him. The risk was there. Imagine going to Joseph and saying, uh, Joseph, I know we're betrothed and engaged, but um, I, I'm pregnant. What kind of fear must have been in her heart? And yet she was willing to go. She was willing to be obedient to God's plan. She didn't argue with Gabriel and say, no way. This ain't never happening. I'm sure that's how they spoke back then. She said, may it be to me as you have said. See, God has not only chosen Mary, he's also chosen you and me to become a part of his plan as well. It wasn't just the great names of Scripture that God chose to use. God has also chosen Rich. He's chosen Drew. He's chosen Dustin. I'm bringing Jeff here for me. He's chosen Emma. He's chosen Mark. He's chosen young me. He's chosen Dave. He's chosen each and every one of us in this room to join him in his plan to reach the world with the gospel of Christ. It's not just your pastor's job. It's not just the deacon's job. It's not just the Sunday school leader's jobs. It is a job of each and every one of us to share the message of God's gospel with those that he has given to us. Are we willing to have an attitude like Mary? Say, God, may it be to me as you have said. Or we can be more like Zacharias and say, are you daft, man? Really? Do you not see how old I am? Do you not see how little education I have? Do you not see how little skills I have? God, surely you don't mean me. See, God's timing and his plan to reach the world includes his plan for choosing you and me to be included in that plan. The question is, are you willing to join him in that plan? We say, I'm nothing special. Mary thought she was nothing special. Joseph thought he was nothing special. The disciples were nothing special. That later on, when they're out there sharing with the Pharisees and those in the temple, and they it says that they were that those in the in leadership, those in the, the temple were amazed because these were unlearned men from Galilee. They were just the fishermen who had no real education. And they were amazed because they had been with Jesus. They took note because they had spent time studying the Word of God with Jesus. Studying the Word of God with God. And we have the same opportunity today. As the Holy Spirit lives within us, we have to study the Word of God with God every single day. It's not just the disciples who get to study alongside Jesus. We get to study alongside the Holy Spirit every single day. So if you might say, well, I just don't know. This, this, some of these pastors in here confuse me. I'm sure they confuse the disciples too. But as they, as they hung out with Jesus, they, became, they got to understand him. After Jesus was resurrected and, and rose back up to heaven, they got to hang out with the Holy Spirit, and they got to learn all about the, God's word from the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that taught them also teaches us. There is nothing special about me. God thinks this way. God planned.
planned your life. He planned for you to be right here, right now. And this time it was yours. So if you might join him in his mission. Are you willing to be obedient like Nehemiah? Are you willing to be obedient like so many others to help participate in the mission of God? So God planned the timing. He planned the person. God also planned the limitation. The limitation. The limitations. How does it say that Jesus was born? It says he was born to a woman, born under the law. God willingly submitted himself and limited himself to this world. His Bible says that he set aside some of his divine attributes and became a man like you and I. He set aside his knowledge. You know, people ask him, Jesus, when is this going to happen? The Father knows. I don't know. He set aside temporarily some of those divine attributes. He willingly submitted himself under the law so that he could become like us and live a perfect life fulfilling the law when he didn't have to. This is God. He could have just snapped his fingers and made it all right. On page three, he could have done that. On page three, God could have snapped his fingers and said, hey, I forgive you. It's good. It's all good. I forgive you. You're my children. It's all good. But he chose to give us hope. He chose to set a plan in motion to give us hope. He chose to willingly submit himself and to limit himself under the law so that we might know the law was not enough for us. He is the only man to fulfill all of the law, all of the tenets of the law, die, go to the cross for you and I, and die on our behalf when he didn't have to. So that you and I could receive that gift of his and be restored in a relationship to God through him. See, he willingly limited himself. He came as a human baby. He had to learn all of life skills like we had to learn. He had to learn to walk. He had to be potty trained. Don't talk about Jesus that, that, that way, right? You just think he came out perfectly potty trained. Oh, Mary and Joseph had it so easy. He never spit up on her. He never peed on her. He never had a dirty, whatever they had for diapers. <laughs> he was just perfect. He came out walking and went right to the bathroom right away. And then Mom, Mary never had a problem. He never woke her up at three in the morning to be fed. Just like you and I. He had to learn to walk, talk, eat with utensils. He got tired and hurt, hungry and thirsty. And just like kids today, his parents didn't understand him either. either. Right? He came as a Jew, limiting himself under the law. Mary and Joseph, when they went, when he was age 12, went to the temple to present him so he could become a part and take part in the, sacri in the uh, sacrificial system for the first time. They left to go back to Nazareth thinking that Jesus was with one of their relatives or one of their friends and they get down the road a little ways and they're, have you seen Jesus? No. Have you seen Jesus? No. Have you seen Jesus? He also walked away from them in Walmart. See? They leave the caravan. Nobody can find him. 
They go back to the temple after searching for him for three days. Hopefully the temple was feeding him. They said, what are you doing here? He said, don't you know I'm about my father's business? Don't you know this is where I would be sitting at the feet of the scholars and learning about my father? Don't you know this is where I would be? See, God took on the limitations of his creation. Philippians 2 said he was made just like us. Hebrews chapter 4 says he did it to identify with our weaknesses. He limited himself to identify with us and so that we could identify with him. The Bible says we don't serve a God who doesn't know what we go through. The Bible says that he went through, he was tempted just as we are. In every way, just as we are. He was tempted and came through it. Unlike you and I, when we are tempted and fall flat on our face again. And we're tempted and fall flat on our face again. And we're tempted and fall flat on our face again. The same sins over and over and over and over. It's like a bad cycle, right? And Jesus came up against those same temptations and stepped through it in victory. He came up against the temptation, stepped through it in victory. Came through this temptation, stepped through it in victory. I come up against the temptation, I have to pick myself off the ground because I fall in again. I pick myself up, pick myself up, pick myself up. Oh God, it's me again. I've sinned again. Please forgive me. I need this relationship stored again, restored again. Because 2,000 years ago, God planned the right time for the right person, the right limitations. He also planned the right purpose. See, God planned the purpose for why he came to redeem those who were under the law, Galatians 4, verse 5 says. And that's shouting. My father-in-law used to say, that's shouting ground. That's exciting. That is awesome. That he came not just to live a perfect life, not just to come and show us the way to live, not just to give us the word of God. He came to redeem us. As ones born under the law, he came to redeem us, to call us his own. Those who were, we could be adopted into his family, he came to redeem us. That's his purpose. That's what this whole, all these decorations about, it's what these banners about, it's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not about the little babe. It's about what God came to do because of that little babe and through that little babe. He came to redeem you and I. And all those around us. He came to redeem your neighbors. He came to redeem your coworkers. He came to redeem your family members. Those that you have a great relationship and those that you're estranged with. He came to redeem. When the Bible says when we were still stuck in our sins, he died. That's weird to be thinking about that when we're really talking about a little baby, right? We're talking about the birth, coming in, a baby coming into the world. And yet ultimately, we're really talking about the Easter story, which is Jesus dying for us and, being redeem and redeeming us back to himself. This Christmas story that we talk about for the next few weeks is just the beginning. 
It's like one bookend on your bookshelf. The other bookend is Easter, the resurrection. Put them together and you have this glorious story. This glorious time where we can be redeemed to God again. His true purpose is you. His true purpose is me. God's eternal perspective that Jesus' sacrificial death was a given. From heaven, God looked down and said, the baby's going to enter to be die. The baby's going to come into the world, born of a virgin, live a sinless life, and die in the other end for you and I. That's his purpose. Revelation 3.8 says, all those who live on earth will worship it, and everyone whose name was not written in the, from the foundation of the world in the book of life. the lamb who was slain. See, the birth of Jesus was planned out from the foundation of the world. His death on the cross for you and me was planned out from the foundation of the world. From page one. I'm sure Adam and Eve were surprised when Satan appeared to them as a snake and coerced them into eating of the fruit, and surprised when God had to judge them, but you know who wasn't surprised? God. God wasn't surprised at all. Because from the foundation of the world, God already knew what was going to happen. And he already planned out how he was going to fix it. It wasn't like he was just trying to, let's just try this. Oh, let's, I know, let's, on the golf course, let's try, I, I can't hit a five iron, but let me try hitting it this time. Maybe it'll go, the ball will go where I want it to, right? Let's just try this. Well, God wasn't just trying something. Let's, let me just try becoming a little baby. Let me just try living a perfect life. Let me see what happens. It was already planned out from the foundation of the world. Page one, from the appendices, or from the table of contents, from the title page, God already knew what he was going to do. See, Jesus' whole reason for being here, Luke 19 says, to seek and save the lost. He came as a little babe, not just to come and fulfill prophecy, not just to come and live a perfect sinless life, but he came to rescue you and me. His true purpose in coming, this whole time we're celebrating Christmas, it's a time of rescue. In our, our membership, our congregation here, we have, you know, Thomas is over here as a nurse, and Dustin's here as an EMT, and we have several others who have, in the, who have skills in those areas. When they get called to a room or get called to an a, a emergency, they're going to walk up there. Tell me if this is true. Person's laying down. They're writing their report, right? First thing off. Oh, what are they doing? Somebody's out cold, somebody's got a hole in their side, somebody is passed out, somebody's got a code blue in the hospital. 
They're in there to rescue that person, to get them back to, where, to life again, to get them back to where they need to be, back into a right relationship with the rest of the world. But we're those people laying on the ground. We're the people with the hole in the side. We're the people who have got called code blue on in the hospital. And Jesus came to rescue us. For he came to seek and save the lost. Isaiah prophesied the virgin birth. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. That's my God. That's who we serve. That's who came to rescue us. Isaiah chapter 11, he goes on. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse. In other words, he's going to come up as a descendant of David. The stump of Jesse is David. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. A spirit of counsel and strength. A spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge. Not judged by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be the belt around his waist. That's my God. That's the one who came to rescue you whole world it's not about you and me and the way how, how good we live God loves you just because of who you are God loves you for you he died for you just because of who you are doesn't matter your attitude doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter your past all that matters is what God wants to do with your future he desires that right now. This Christmas season, I don't know what exactly the struggles you're going through, but I hope that you can take joy in knowing that the babe that we celebrate for the next month is here because of you. He came because of you. He came to rescue you. Lord Jesus, this morning as we close here in just a second, I pray that over the next few weeks that we would, as we look at this Christmas story again with new eyes, with fresh eyes, that we would remember, God, what you did for us. That you chose the timing, you chose the person, you chose the limitations, and you chose the right purpose to redeem and rescue us. Because you came to seek and save Lord, we love you. 
thank you, Father, for redeeming us, for loving us, for seeking us when we were nothing. When we were toadblue, you came to the rescue. When we couldn't get off the table ourselves, you came and performed spiritual CPR.